Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 the Zone. Jake coming at you live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Austin Horton producing today across the glass from me and safely social distancing from Casa de Monson. The one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jake. How are you doing today? Hope you're doing well. Sure, doing all right. How are you, buddy? Did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. Yeah, it was awesome. Do you have any adventures slash misadventures? Uh, mostly just adventures, not so much misadventures. Played 18 <laughs> holes of golf. That was pretty awesome. Oh, did you really? Yeah, that was, that was certainly nice. Took my, uh, took my three-year-old to Disney on ice, which was pretty sweet. Oh, all right. Yeah, I bet she got a kick out of that. Did she, uh, ask you at all for like a $150, uh, light thingamajig? Not $150, but yeah, I overspent. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah, How was... can you put a price on a light thingamajig? Right. Well, they did. But, but you know, it blew bubbles. So what was I going to do? <laughs> exactly. What was I going to do? I was going to, you know, I called the bank. I, I talked to them about a, a refi, a second mortgage kind of type situation. And, okay. and then I, I went, in, went ahead and went for it. Yeah, I, I called uh, uh, our good friend Matt from uh, from Loan Depot. And I thought, hey, we got we to gotta move some stuff around. I got to. I got a flashlight <laughs> bubble thing to buy. <laughs> I have been there. I have been there so many times. It's kind of like, you know, you go in, you watch the show, and there's no way, no way you're getting out of there. <laughs> what, are you going to put blinders on your kid, you know, they can't, so they can't see anything? You know, it's, it doesn't work that way. Well, you know? so we were, we, were, we were late getting here, but not like late, late. Like, we were at the front door at 4 o'clock when the show was starting at 4, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were we were moving, getting into the building. <laughs> you know, and I, I threw her on my shoulders to get to, to move faster because she was stopping at portals to go in. And it was like, no, we got a ways to go. And she's like, but I want to see Mickey. So I, I threw her onto my shoulders, and, and we pretty much ran. And I think I, I honestly, I bought the tickets somewhat last minute. I think we got the last two tickets in the whole building because uh, we were we were in, like, the last corner on the top row. You know, Was it all spaced out? Yeah, yeah, it was. And they had tickets, like, or tickets, seats roped off and stuff. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it was a pretty well-oiled uh, operation, considering it was the 16th show. During this run of Disney on Ice, they had it. They had it pretty much down to a science. Um, but yeah, let me just put it this way: a lot of stairs, a lot of stairs. And so once I caught my breath, uh, by the time it was intermission, it was like, oh, I finally feel okay. And it was like, and intermission is here. 
And so I had to walk down the stairs only to spend a lot of money and then walk back up the stairs. So that was nice. But uh, she had a she had a great time. That's all that matters. Did you get did you get the nineteen dollar Mickey Mouse ice cream bar? No, no, did not did not get caught up in the ice cream bar. So that was good. Just just the souvenir. All right. <laughs> well, then consider yourself uh, well served. No, it was great. It was great. We, you didn't we, stop and get it from the guy out there on the corner for the quarter of a price off of Amazon? No. You didn't see those guys? No. They've got wagons out here, on, the, and Disney's, like, declaring war on them. Really? Is that oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We, let, let me tell you, we were moving coming into the yeah, stadium. Okay. I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have noticed anything other than I'm somewhat certain that a purse snatcher ran right by us. <laughs> What? Why? Did they have a purse under their arm and they were running as fast as they could? Yes. Yes, that's exactly Did what happened. Did they have happened. an eye mask no. like a bandit? No. Oh. But I didn't put any of this together until – because they kind of ran around the corner. It was – we were at a corner walking into the arena and we kind of – the person ran around a corner and ran right by us. And, and I just thought to myself, like, you know – Wait a minute, why was that person running? And then I kind of snapshot in my mind, like, I think he was carrying a purse. But then again, like, <laughs> nobody was running after him or why, anything, so. Why did you should have tackled him? Yeah, with my with my three-year-old right there. And you imagine if it's not a purse it's snatcher. It's just I had, purse. I had no idea. <laughs> he just it's has some, a lot of things to carry. some guy it's, who's it's, late and he's running. It's someone running to get a drink for Grandma. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> And anyway, what am I going to do, honestly, if I tackle him? What I going to keep him subdued there until somebody gets there? Like that's what hey, like, hey Sadie, hang on there, dear. <laughs> while while Captain Daddy's here, while Dad tries to hold this man down for several minutes, and then when it, when I ultimately uh, fail, uh, I know you don't really know how to operate a phone, but you know, call somebody. Oh, well, there was there call mom. Been- Figure it out. Somebody around to help. Maybe ask this guy that beats me in this fight to help you call mom. Right, <laughs> call mom. Tell her to call the police because you've been assaulted. The, cir- the circumstances have probably headed south. Yeah. What was the show itself like? It was great. It was awesome. It was really I mean, fun. All she the characters it. going. Or was uh, did you some see it? Theme? Did, did you see it this year, Austin? No, but you see it one year. You see it all years, don't you? This Sebastian was, skating around on the Sebastian ice. Sebastian was there, yeah. <laughs> they they picked out different scenes from their famous movies, and and that was pretty much Oh, that. so it was the same as every Probably. year. Probably, yeah, you know. They just I, added the most recent movie? But I've got Let It Go stuck in my head. I don't know. What was the what was the most recent movie? Well, it just came out Friday, Raya and the Last no, Dragon. that wasn't there. But no music in that one, so. Uh, I don't know which What about uh, the any Pixar's, or was it just straight Disney stuff? No, I mean, like, it was a Moana and... Oh, that's Disney, though, yeah. So. Is it Disney? I'm, yeah. so, I thought Disney bought Pixar. Yeah, but they're different studios. Animation, Disney animation, Pixar animation are different. Huh? Okay. So, so Austin, you saw, uh, is it called Raya? Raya and the Last Dragon, yeah. Was it scary? No. Not at all? I mean, the two-year-old got afraid a few times, but she's fine. Okay. Just it's good. To- it's really good, but... Uh, I, I know to answer your question, Jake, I did not catch the ice show this year, and that's the way. Uh huh, uh huh. I like it. Yeah, I, I get it. We had a nice time, though. I'm glad Good. I went. Good. I'm glad you did too. I've been to many it's the of right those thing shows. To do. Yeah, it is. It's a memory, right? 
Yeah, Free absolutely. Their memory. Yeah, there you go. For your little one. Was it just you and Sadie? Uh huh. A daddy daughter date. It was. Wow, look at you. It was. That is, that is just so nice. And, you know, speaking of creating a memory, you'll never do it again, right? <laughs> I'd do it again. It wasn't bad. She's, know. You know what? She's, we went, she's pretty we low mul- maintenance, to yeah, be honest. We went multiple times, you know. I mean, you just, it's something you do. I didn't you even... went multiple times to this one? No, multiple times. Oh, through the years. Like in, in the history, years, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Meeting once. When no. the nanny couldn't make it. Yeah. No. When Mary Poppins <laughs> went on vacation. Uh, anyway, well, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, there was uh, a little something else over the weekend, a little all-star game and some of the Oh, I thought you were talking about Prince What's-His-Face and, and his bride. Who? What? Prince uh, Harold and uh, and the chick from Suits. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. You really don't? Go you know, and Oprah? No. no. The, you know, the people that left the royal family? Yeah, okay. I know gave of a, them. a one-on-one with Oprah and said oh, that the yeah. royal family are bullies. Yeah, I didn't watch that. But I, I, I've read about about that whole thing a little bit. But I didn't Apparently watch not. You didn't even yeah. know what happened. Well, I didn't know. And you that didn't there even was a, get the joke because no, it was I going up against no, the All Star game. That, I didn't know that there was an Oprah interview. I, I didn't know that, but I know that that they detached themselves from the rest of the royal family, kind of quit the royal family. Yeah, yeah they did a huge interview that that is all, and this feels weird to say. Anybody is talking about. <laughs> and you pay, were unaware of it. No, I didn't Dan Patrick was talking about it this morning. Yeah, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. But I do know about it, you know. She she used to be she used to be a, an actress, right? An actor, and uh, she married Harry. Is that his name? And uh, the guy with the red hair and the beard and all that. Uh, and they came over, and he said, "I've had enough of this nonsense," and uh, came to America. Yeah, I, I did know about that, and I knew that they had created some ripples. Amongst the royals. Well, there was a big interview yesterday, Gordo. I'm, I was just making a joke about that because it, did you it's, watch it's it? Weird because everybody seems to. You can't really avoid it. Uh, I did not watch it, but <laughs> I'm plenty in the know, buddy. I I read okay, about it so. <laughs> because honestly, I don't know how you would be able to turn on a computer without without reading about uh, that. I, I I have not I have not read I haven't read about the specific interview, but I had read. Over the past uh, number of weeks, about their situation. So. All right. Well, then that joke fell real flat there, because well, you're making the, uh, an all-star joke and then or saying about the all-star game, and then the yeah. the counter programming was this big interview that apparently nobody's talking about. Well, and I so saw the, I was I saw saying other... that I was joking about not seeing the all-star game because it didn't have Prince Harry. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. yeah but here's the thing about that. You, we saw another brand of royalty, even though the game itself sucked, as usual. All-star games are lousy. But uh, I have some thoughts on what oh, I saw. Okay, let's, let's mm. get to the split story of the day, then. Can't tell you about Oprah, though. Mm-mm. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What do you think about LeBron James' joke of why he didn't choose any Utah Jazz players for the All-Star game? 
I mean, I don't want to brood, but like, I don't care. <laughs> to be honest with you, like at the end of the day, I made it to the All Star game. Rudy made it. Coach made it. Mike made it. We're here. But I got picked last first. You know, I'm, I'm definitely blessed to be a part of this, and you know, it's a it's a sign of the work that our team has put in. People definitely had their opinions about the joke. I really didn't care. We got the end of the day. We go play this game and get back to the second half of the season and get to it. You know, that's really what it is. The goal isn't to be the best team in February. The goal is to be the best team in July. We got to go out there and execute that as a group. You know, people can say what they want to say. People can talk about me for a while. <laughs> um, just saying, I can't do certain things coming up. Um, so, like, for me, it's think Rudy worth 27 for that exact reason. Mike Conley's been overlooked for how many years? So you know, at the end of the day, I don't really think this affected us and we don't we didn't play this game to seek the approval of him or anyone else. We're going to go out there and try and win a game and win a championship. That's the goal and that's that. I think the most important for me is to, to recharge, you know, be able to get ready for the, for the second half of the season. We know that uh, we have very high, you know, have high goal for the team and we're going to have to be ready to all right, Gordon, All-Star Weekend came and went. And uh, as you heard them say right there, I heard Donovan say there was a lot of jazz representation and uh, saw it on display, which I and, – and this is where All-Star today – you know, it's – the All-Star Weekend was just reaffirmed as a giant NBA commercial. I mean, yeah. that's really, we can we can try and take meaning from something, I guess, or these sub storylines or who was picked where or who got voted. But basically, however it comes together, the idea is that this is just a giant marketing campaign for the NBA. And it's pretty cool that the Jazz were as heavily represented in said campaign as they were. Yeah, that was really noticeable uh, to anybody who was paying attention. And the commercial aspects to it, I hate. That, see, that's what I hate about the whole thing. Uh, you know, even I've had this conversation before. I love sports for the competition. That's not a competition. It's a joke. It's a show. And um, I really don't care much about that. I like the attitude of the players. You heard Donovan talking there. You know, big thing, what happened uh, as far as when they were picked. I don't know if I completely believe it. I think it did bother them because they're, they're men, players with pride. And so I think it, it, it it's a matter of how much it bothered them. I think it, it did. They were miffed at that because certainly that's not where they should have been picked. But I think Donovan has sort of the attitude to screw them. I don't care about, you know, and, and that, that, I think, is healthy. Just like we talked with Howard Beck about last week, I think these guys are, are dialing in on the most important thing. And, uh, you know, this the, this whole game is is just kind of a show. It's a joke from a competitive Screw them! Yeah, exactly. And, but there is, you know, I will say that when I watch Damian Lillard take half-court shots, and make them as though he's standing five feet from the basket. That is impressive to me. That is remarkable. And Steph Curry and others. And then Mike Conley in the three-point shooting contest. I mean, it really is. You know who it speaks to, Jake? It speaks to you and me when we go down to the gym and we make a few shots and we think, yeah, I can shoot. You put these NBA players, these top shooters, in an empty gym, and it's like, what's the is is it urban legend or is it true that Steph Curry hit 105 straight or something in an empty gym? I, I, it's remarkable the way they're able to shoot. 
that stood out to me more than anything else about that game. The rest of it's just sort of a wash in this commercialism of which you speak. You wanted uh, Coach Snyder to bench LeBron. He kind of (laughs) did. But I guess, uh, you know, what what you heard from Quinn and the broadcast and all that sort of thing, I would guess that was at uh, LeBron's request. Yeah. See, really, they should have gone the other way, and Quinn should have just ground out LeBron. You're going the whole way, (laughs) buddy. (laughs) You know, going the whole way, number two, three. Pace yourself. Then tell tell Rudy to trip him (laughs) when he's not expecting it, you know, break a foot or something. I'm not advocating, you know, somebody try to injure him or anything. Jeez. Way to take it too far. No, but what what did you what were your overall thoughts of the game itself other than the fact that it's a big commercial? And the, and believe me, look, TNT buys into the whole thing. They they were promoting things left and right and a lot of it is complete hyperbole. But uh yeah, that's what you do when you're selling. Well, Rudy, I mean, even Rudy was letting guys go, you know. I know he didn't do it on every play per se, but it's just it's just how it is. Nobody wants to hurt the other player. They're playing ultra cautious. Everybody wants their highlight, and everybody gets it. I mean, or at least the opportunity to get it, you know, uh, because nobody's nobody's playing to win. Nobody's trying to do anything but showcase their own uh, incredible athletic abilities. Sometimes the basketball gods smile upon an individual player, and that player yesterday was Giannis because he didn't miss a shot. He's banking in three-pointers by accident, and he stayed perfect from a a field goal percentage standpoint. There's no way some of those shots should have gone in. They didn't go where he aimed them to go, but they went in anyway. And I just thought to myself, okay, he gets the trophy. He gets uh, the accolades. He's excited about that. But he was... He was kissed on the forehead by the basketball gods yesterday. Uh, and not that anybody really cared from a competitive standpoint. Giannis cared, you know, because these guys, again, there's a little bit of pride there. They want to they want to hoist a trophy if they can that sings their praises. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's The All-Star games are tough for me, Gordo. I mean, I'm happy for the jazz players that got the honor. Uh, it feels like the, the, the game is so... Not the most important thing. You know, every one of those guys would uh, have had some hurt feelings had they not made the roster. You know, there's a reason that it meant so much to Mike Conley. But I don't think the reason was that he was actually going to get to participate. You know what I mean? Right. I agree 100%. And anybody who is who is built on competition, they can't care too much about what's going on in a game like that where guys are, aren't even guarding anybody, or they do sometimes, but not, not on not a lot really. of occasions. And it's, yeah, it's just sort of a – it really, it, to me, if I really wanted to dig into it, it would, it would tick me off because that's not what basketball is. That's not what it represents. That's not what it should represent. It shouldn't be showbiz, even though I know it is, but it shouldn't be. It should be about real competition. That's that's the that's the crown jewel of the NBA is going after it and beating the other guys. And this game is the antithesis of that. It is just a bunch of guys out there goofing around. You know, you might as well be, you know, have a part in Hamlet or something. You know, it's just it's just not 
it's not real basketball. Well, it's never going to be, though. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. Are you going in with the expectation of coming out with something else? I asked that rhetorically because I know you don't. But, no. I mean, you, you're right. If you if you dug into it over and over again, it would probably bug you from the, the, the fan of the beauty of the game. But you're well, going to have are... to settle with, you know, alley-oops, windmill dunks, and half-court half threes because, I mean, yeah. that's, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And there are – I know some people who are big-time basketball fans – Fans, you know, uh, observers of the game who really like the all-star game. But uh, I think most of it's for those casual fans, the people on the periphery, not for people who really are big-time basketball, into basketball, you know, because it's, it's, in some ways it's repulsive. Well, it's, but it's, it's just not what it should be. But the game is about brands now um, because there's so much money involved on all sides, you know. How mad would uh, would Jazz uh, would this franchise be? You know, maybe "mad's" not the right word, but you know, how inconvenienced would they be if uh, an injury came back from that game? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. for something that doesn't matter and is just kind of all fluff. I mean, it's it, you know, and nobody's going to go damage their brand either, right? To go play defense at an All Star game makes yourself vulnerable to damaging said brand, right? So I mean, it's it the meaning of it all is, has changed so much. I I'm trying to remember back to when it really did mean something, and I I don't want to be old school dude who goes back in the day. You know, it meant something. Back, I I don't know when it did. You know, it seems like what it, it wasn't the All Star Game when Kobe Bryant waved off Carmelo's yeah. mm-hmm. uh, screen, and he he just threw his hands in the air and said, "Okay, bag this." He wasn't too keen on it, and I don't blame him. You know, it's it's you said it perfectly, Jake. It's a, it's a it's an ad for the NBA. That's what it is. And if people want to buy into that and enjoy it, fine. What was most remarkable to me is just the skill involved with some of these players. I mean, Damian Lillard when he hit those shots, and when Steph Curry hit those shots, it, it, I, I just shake my head and go, "Wow!" You know, you know how hard it is. To hit those kinds of shots, it's like, <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, Damian Lillard made it look like he could do that with his eyes closed, like he practices that shot and goes seven of ten. Well, his uh, his actual percentage of that range is not terrible, believe it or not. If you go <laughs> look up how Damian shoots, he shoots better from there than he does from like say five feet outside the line. <laughs> okay, well, I think he should keep doing it. Well, he obviously agrees with you. Certainly in an all-star <laughs> game where it's basically to be ex- uh, expected, he's going to pull the trigger on it. Did you think uh, in the uh, – and really, these lines are blurred between the game and between the three-point shooting contest. I don't really want to talk about the dunk contest. That's just become such a – I mean, it's hard to even watch. But the three-point shooting, when Mike Conley was popping the ball the way he was, did you think Steph was going to get him? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Steph is Steph, right? I mean, that's what I mean. It was impressive that he needed to hit those shots. That he he had to get both of those three point balls by three points. I mean, the ones that are way back there, and he and he hit both of those shots in the final round, and he beats Mike Conley by one point. I mean, that that stands out to me as something. Um, worth appreciating because it tells you because most people can relate to going out on a basketball court and shooting some threes 
And I don't know how many people do that. Maybe a lot of people do that at the college level on a college court. But that NBA three is not easy to hit, even for people who are regular basketball players. So for those guys to go out and drop them the way they do, unbelievable. I mean, that's what stood out to me. Am I am I overreacting to that, or did you did you did you get that same thing? No, I mean they can do amazing things, no doubt. I agree. Uh, Sam, real quick on Twitter, tweets at me, and he sums it up this way. He says, in regards to the All-Star game, can't we see it as players who are the best at what they do, being given the chance to play and have fun, show off what they're good at? It was If it was serious, it would be played after the season. Uh, I don't know. If, even then it would be serious. But I hear what you're saying, Sam. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Enjoy the alley-oops. I got you. It's all right. Uh, let's uh, jump out of the zone. Front. We'll talk about basketball a lot today, college and pro. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, but let's jump out of the zone. Phone joining us right now, our good friend from Lone Depot. He is Matt Harrison with us. What's up, Matt? Hey, gentlemen. How are you? We are doing well. And uh, we made the joke earlier in the show. I went to Disney on ice over the weekend and, you know, thought about giving you a call when I saw the, the prices. But then I, I reminded myself, you know what? I don't think I'm eligible for that. Gotta be, gotta be a few years older. I was like, Matt gave me his cell. He gave me his cell number. I should give him a call. I should hit him up, see what's what. But I'll have to figure out another way, I guess. But let's let's do help our listeners who might be trying to plan out their retirement years. Yeah, and so uh, first and foremost, you know, as you know, I, I am passionate about this program. So reverse mortgages. Now, first and foremost, if you haven't heard any of the segments where we've talked about this, I want you to throw everything you think you know about reverse mortgages out the window. This program has changed so much from where it used to be. It really is a premium program. And, and it's one that, again, is helping so many people. I want to just go through some of the basic guidelines of this real fast. First and foremost, the bank doesn't own your home. That's the number one question that I get from people as well. If I do this, the bank owns my house and, and it's all over. Um, the fact is the bank does not own your home. Um, they have a lien on your home, just like if, they, if you have a forward mortgage. Um, Equity in most cases is preserved um, and, and actually can grow over time. There's a line of credit option, which is fantastic that you can, uh, that you can access and you can use this program to buy a house. And we're going to hit all of these different topics throughout the day, but uh, let's just kind of go through the, the general guidelines. You've got to be at least 62, um, you know, at least one of the borrowers. Um, it has to be a primary residence. Um, you know, if you've hit those two, you're halfway there. You've got to have a good, solid equity position in the property. And generally, that number is about 50%. Now, the older you get, um, the lower that percentage happens to be. So just kind of keep in mind that if you want to learn more about the program, I made it super easy, guys, right? Absolutely. You're giving out your cell, man. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get easier than that. So I'm also still sending out free books. And so um, on the reverse mortgage program, it is awesome. So please hit me up. You can get me on my cell phone, 801-330-2200. Again, 801-330-2200. You can also visit my website, reverseourhome.com. Again, reverseourhome.com. I'll give you all the information that you need. And we're going to have a lot of fun today as we kind of dissect this program and see how it can best fit for you or family members. Sweet. All right, that number again, 801-330-2200. That's 801-330-2200. Or go to that uh, website, reverseourhome.com. Matt, thank you, sir. Thank you. 
All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Band of the Day. Today is The Birds. Selected by Gordon and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at livenation.com. Also, want to remind you, Chris Mannix is going to join us coming up at 4.30. Coach Chiesa is going to jump on with us at 5. Want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision, giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off uh, LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvision.com, or excuse me, davisvisionmd.com, or call today, 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. And again, davisvisionmd.com. Uh, this coming down, uh, Gordon Nimiketa is your player of the year in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, and, uh, of course, it is a conference tournament week, which is always a fun week. I don't know how much it, it means. We can always debate that issue. But, uh, you know, watching the games is certainly fun. And uh, good for good for Nimi. He's really evolved his game this year, and uh, he's so important to what they do on that Utah State team. you got to give him a lot of credit. Do you think he has a future in the NBA? You know what? I, I think so he was on the on the edge of having an NBA career last year. Remember, he kind of put his toe in the water. And Mm -hmm. from what I heard, he was pretty close, but not quite there from a skill standpoint. And so uh, seeing him go back to Utah State and really round out his game, um, I I think that really plays – uh, plays to his advantage. So I, I would like to say yes. Now we'll see what happens. I mean, he's not, you know, uh, Jimmer from three by any means, but he does, he has played that point center kind of thing for Utah State this year, which uh, has has been impressive that he has the skill set uh, to do that. Austin adds that he's grading right now early second round. So, you know, I, I'd say absolutely shows a lot of promise. Certainly has all the physical uh, physical tools. And, you know, I, I've talked with scouts before who, who say that one thing that impresses them, I think Gordy has, has mentioned this as well on our show, that when they see a player who is improving, that that's encouraging to them. You know, and why wouldn't it? Uh, when you see the way the Jazz and other teams uh, invest a lot in development of players, they want players who are going to come in and work hard and do what they can to uh, to get better, as opposed to looking at a player and say, "Yep, that's what you're going to get," and uh, and so that's that's a very positive trend for him. Well, it means that you're coachable, right? Another kind of way to look yeah. at it. Uh, you'll mm-hmm. listen and and try to put into action what coaches are are telling you to do, and I, I think that's incredibly important because if you look at players that come and go. You know, from the NBA draft picks or, or guys that come up through the the G League or overseas or whatever, there's there's a lot of players that have incredible physical tools, right? And we see those players get taken in the draft all the time, where teams go, okay, we'll get them in under our wing, develop them, and they're really going to turn into nice players. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But I I would bet that a lot of the times when it doesn't happen is because a player isn't necessarily coachable for whatever reason and doesn't get any better. 
And and to kind of merge some stories, like maybe these are really incredible athletes and, and their career is still great, but never maybe the player they could be. And Blake Griffin signs with the, Brook, uh, the Brooklyn Nets today on an NBA minimum contract as he was bought out by the uh, the Pistons. And there's a guy who was so unique and so dominant physically that, you know, Rookie of the Year, of course, multi-time All-Star. Uh, the Clippers were at least, you know, somewhat of a contender there for uh, for a few years. But now uh, age and injuries and some other things is not a physically dominant player anymore. And I, I, I don't know about you, Gordon, but I don't know how much he can actually help the Nets. Other than being yeah. uh, a human with a pulse, I don't, I don't know what he can actually do for that team. I get why they're trying it, but I, I don't know how it's going to work. But you gotta you gotta develop skills. You gotta be coachable. You gotta figure out a way to to get better each and every day. And some players do that better than others. And as you mentioned, especially when your physical you know abilities start to erode, you've got to have something to uh, to keep you relevant. And apparently, the Wizards in in Las Vegas were impressed by the Nets signing of. Blake Griffin, because they are now the odds-on favorite to win. The yeah, NBA what does the Magic predicting wizard know? And and actually, what is, is that more about information that we've seen so far, or is it more about Blake Griffin? Uh, well, <laughs> I agree with you. I I'm not sure. You know, the skilled players that they have on that team are so good that maybe just a little bit more can help them. I, I don't know, because when I watched Blake Griffin play in recent times, I just sort of shook my head and said, nope, that's not what I remember from that player. I saw a take I today that was so off about Blake Griffin. I'll try. I'll explain this real quick. They, they said, well, we don't know what Blake has left because he found himself on a team with a young roster that pushed him aside because they were going the younger route. And that's eventually what happened when they basically told him not to show up. But we watched the Jazz play that Pistons team twice. And let me tell you yeah. what I saw. I saw a team that was <laughs> desperately trying to highlight somebody because they wanted to trade him, and he made a fortune, so you'd like him to contribute, where they gave him, Gordon, plenty of possessions. Plenty what, of possessions. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm echoing uh, what, what you were saying. They, I mean, yeah. this this wasn't, well, they left him on the bench or he was the fifth option on the floor or, you know, they were somehow scheming to, to not use him. That could not have been further from the truth. They were desperate for him to be good because they didn't want to buy him out unless they had to. I mean, they didn't want to do that. And he was not, I mean, he was, he was awful to coin a phrase. I mean, I don't know what he would bring to the Nets. You know, it'd be one thing if you were coming off the bench playing 15 minutes, Gordon, and being wall-to-wall energy and dunking your face, Blake Griffin, but all he had was 10 to 15 minutes a game. He's not He's not that. He's not that at all. I agree with you. And uh, we did see him. We, wa- we watched him carefully, Jake. I watched him, and I know you had your eye on him as well. And I, <laughs> I'm not seeing some sort of magic fix there that he's going to be suddenly become energized by playing with better players. I, I, in fact, the exact opposite could happen. He could become invisible. Right. But because the other guys are dominating so much. Yeah. I, I will be real curious to see how much and if they, uh, if they use him, 
at all. But uh, well, they have nothing to lose, really, because they're signing him for a veteran minimum contract, and they could honestly just cut him if they really wanted to. Yeah, I suppose. Well, the Nets are now the new favorite, and the only team between the Nets and the Jazz are the Lakers and the Clippers. So the Jazz still trending in a, in a strong direction, you know. I mean, I know they lost three or four before the All-Star break, but uh, there they are at 7-1. to one. So ahead of the Bucks, ahead of the Sixers, and the rest. Well, they should be ahead of the rest. You know, you can make the argument about the L.A. teams, I suppose. Uh, I'm still not entirely convinced that the Nets are the favorites, I guess, to put it that way. I know Locke has come on this station or this uh, the show and others on the station to talk about why he thinks that the, the Nets are going to be so good offensively that it does not matter at all if they play defense or not. Man, I, I get why an analytics guy like David is laying out that case. And, and hey, I, I don't make a living uh, disagreeing with David. But I, I don't know. I'll believe that when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it that stops don't matter in playoff basketball. So you think the defensive end is really going to hamper – their intentions. Yes, 100%. They don't have a viable big. Um, you know, Kevin Durant's a, a decent defensive option, of course, but you know, you got to have more. You got to have more than that. I mean, even David will tell you that their defense is non-existent. He's saying that his argument is that they're so good on offense it just doesn't matter. That well, that it's going to, you know, if if you have to, you know, basically a game will come down to a handful of stops and they're going to be so good offensively that it it doesn't matter. What scares, I think, some Jazz fans is just the fact that, you know, if those two teams were to meet up in the NBA Finals, Kyrie just destroyed the Jazz, and that uh, if that means anything, I don't know. It's if it a does one-off or thing. Yeah. I mean, if you, if we want to talk about Jazz struggling guarding dynamic guards, I'm with you, but I'm not going to let that one game. I mean, you, uh, listen, Coach Snyder's going to come up with a defensive game plan that's going to get some stops against anybody. I'd bet on that. But I don't know. If, if it's true that the math works so much in the Nets' favor that it's impossible to win, which is basically the case that he's laying out, I, I just don't know if yeah. I'm coming, you know. If you want to talk about dissecting a defense that can come up with those stops, I think that that can happen. All right. Um, I am a little more concerned than that. If I were breaking down the Jazz, I'd. I, uh, it's, it's okay. Maybe I don't, I don't know that for a fact. So if uh, you gave me and and we'll just select the Clippers here for a second, just because they've got such athletic defenders, you, you know, if you gave me a seven game series and let's say that came down to making 15 stops, you're telling me you can't get those 15 stops with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and Patrick Beverly. Uh, <laughs> that would be a strong case to make. I mean, I know we're, now we're talking about James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. I got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you're telling me that they don't have to, those guys don't have to play the best all-around games ever. They just have to play their normal game and get a handful of stops. Four out of seven games. That doesn't seem out of the question to me. Where were those stops last year against the Nuggets? Oh God, just garbage series that we should just throw out anyway just throw hey you know everybody gives the lakers so much credit and you should because they they won the title i'm not trying to say that but yeah the bubble was a weird thing and they didn't have to play the clippers because they played the the fluky nuggets yeah i mean okay 
But you're not going to tell me that the Nuggets were a better team than the Clippers last year. If you want to you want to get yourself on that island, Gordon, you knock yourself out, but well, I'm see, not coming. See, the, the irony to what we're talking about here as as it pertains to games that really do matter is that everything that's highlighted in the NBA's commercial yesterday is all about the offense. And yet here you are comparing teams and saying, you know, defense really does matter in a major way in games that count. So that's there's there's some irony there somehow. Well, there has yet to be a total one-way offensive team who has won the title. Yeah. Oh, my man, now you're making me think. Um I mean, we could go back out and look and, and set the bar at 15, top 15, top 10, top 5 defense, whatever. But, I mean, when was the last team that was bad at defense that won the title? Well, <laughs> that's a little extreme. How? Jake. How? Because if you say they're bad at defense, well, I guess that's what the that's what the Nets are. Bad at defense. That's what the Suns were under D'Antoni, too. I'm I'm just searching my memory. I can't. I I, I can't think. Maybe the the Mavericks. Maybe maybe Nowitzki and the Mavericks. Although didn't they have Tyson Chandler as the center, and Jason Kidd, who was a pretty decent defending point guard? But but okay, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hear you on the Mavericks. I don't know if I'd call them bad per se, but yeah, all right, it might be a decent example. Certainly not the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Certainly not no. the the Pau Gasol, uh, Bynum Lakers. Certainly not the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, you got you got you got a strong not, point. Certainly not the Spurs. Yeah, the Celtics with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. Those guys could play D. Yes, they could. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm gonna during the break. I'm gonna go back through the history banks, and I'm gonna try and find someone that fits that category. But I, I might be searching in vain. I think. If you want to tell me Magic was bad at defense, I, I'd come along with that no, argument. Those Lakers, those but Lakers but the, he had some teammates there. around him that knew what they were doing. What year was it that the Mavericks won the title? 2010, 2011, maybe. I'm looking that up real quick. MJ's Bulls were great on defense. If anything undo, undid the Jazz in their two finals appearances was that they were so big, long, and unique defensively. Let's see. That Mavericks team of which we were speaking, if I have the right one, the offensive rating was eight. The defensive rating was eight. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not just average. That's good. That's above average. Top eight defensively. All right. We'll get to more coming up next. But it might yeah. not exist, Jake. It I, might not exist. I think you still have to get some stops to win the title. I, yeah. I do. But maybe I'm old-fashioned, Gordon. Wouldn't be the first time I was called that. <laughs> That's a compliment. Coming up next, more from the birds. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 <laughs> and 1280 The Zone. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O' Tires. 
Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We were talking about Michelle Pfeiffer movies there during the break. Uh, oh, yeah, I, beneath. Uh, I haven't seen that one. It's creepy. She was a good cat woman. She was like, I mean, that movie was not awesome, but she was pretty good. She's you know, better than ha- Halle Berry as Michelle Pfeiffer or as uh, Catwoman. I suppose that most Michelle Pfeiffer would be better as Michelle Pfeiffer than uh, Halle Berry. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. First time I saw Michelle Pfeiffer, at least knew that it was her. Was in wasn't she in Greece too? She was in Greece too. Yeah. Hmm. She was also in that uh, the the movie where Al Pacino has the uh, the su- such disastrous accent, Cuban accent. What is that? <laughs> oh, oh, Scarface. Yeah. Uh, Scarface. <laughs> Talk about a violent movie. Good. My yeah. goodness. I, Not their only movie together, by the way. Really? They were in a was it a, a rom com? Al Pacino was in a rom com with Michelle Pfeiffer called uh, oh something and Johnny. I want Frankie and Johnny. I want to say early nineties. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he seems uh, he seems too short for her. Isn't she rather tall? I wouldn't know. I don't I have no clue. All right. Is no, he short? No, no idea. Uh, yeah, he's super short. Al Pacino. Yeah. Oh. Nope. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is 5'7". Okay. And Al Pacino comes in at a whopping 5'7". Oh, he's also 5'7"? I just know that they went to great lengths to make uh, what's-his-name look tall in The Godfather because Sonny Corleone's supposed to be tall, and he's super short, too. Huh. You know what I'm talking about? Who played Sonny Corleone? Yeah, it was... Uh, it what's was, his uh, name? James Conn? James Conn. Yeah. Jimmy yeah. Conn. Because he's supposed to be like 6'4", and Jimmy Conn's like 5'5". Five five. Is he really? I don't know. Let's look. Didn't he play Brian Piccolo in the in Piccolo song or whatever? In Piccolo's Brian song? Or Brian song, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the song was in His there name somewhere. is Piccolo. Why didn't they name it Piccolo song? That's a music thing. Jimmy Conn's 5'9". There you go. Wow. All right. Anyway, well, M- Michelle Pfeiffer movies. How about that? All right. I we- saw. I, by the way, I saw a flick over the weekend. I saw the second Crudes movie. Did you ever see that? I'm also? sorry. Is that a cartoon? It's horrendous. Yeah. Is it bad? Yeah. It was. It, well, it, well, I wouldn't consider it horrendously bad. It was just real trippy. I, I mean, you look at the stars in that movie. Uh, Nick Cage was in there. Ryan Reynolds was in there. Who, who else was in that? Austin, you could have. It's you really bad. Started and finished with Nick Cage, and I could tell you what we were. <laughs> the stars in this movie. Yeah, the, the no, g- no, there's a bunch of them. Leslie Mann is in there. Yeah, uh, but but here's the thing: is is Nick Cage is in such bad financial trouble in his own personal life that he will take anything. He's given it. He's given interviews about it. He's like, I don't, I don't even read scripts. I just take it. He just did a movie called Willy's Wonderland, uh, which is essentially the animatronics at Chuck E. Cheese are possessed by the devil. Right. 
and he saves the day, but he doesn't talk in the whole movie. But yeah, exactly. But the check cashed, I'm yes, sure. The eight dollars. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then the government, I'm sure, garnished it, and <laughs> and he takes the next bad script that's ended his way. By the way, this is a sequel. The Croods. Yeah. Yeah, it was the second one. Okay. Let's see: Nick Cage, Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds, Catherine Keener, Boris Leachman. Russell uh, Sowell? Yes. Leslie Mann, Peter Dinklage. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you liked it, huh? I, well, I, I mean, it gets seven out of ten. Uh, so, you know. Seven out of I, ten? I, mean, I watched it because my granddaughter wanted to watch it. No, I, I get it, but seven out of ten, that's like, that's like a, that's, you're loving that movie. Seven out of ten. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I don't know I if I give I the original was... Godfather a seven out of ten. That's a that's a high mark right there. Seven out of ten. It's got to be like five movies I've ever seen that I would give a seven out of ten. Here's the movie's own take on the Crude sequel. Okay, matinee or excuse me, uh, five dollar Tuesday. Put the kids in the theater with you. You close your eyes for an hour and a half. Take that's a worth the five dollars. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Why? Let Why them terrorize and run around, and you have a nap. <laughs> Oh, come on. It was mildly entertaining. It wasn't. Our friend, I mean, you... I, I wouldn't go out of my way to see it, but... Uh, but you, you know, kind of did. Just, well, well, no. I just sat there with my granddaughter and watched it. Our friend, you Chasta trailer comes in. He says, Michelle Pfeiffer and Tony Danza in the absolutely most fantastic bad movie ever made, the American graffiti ripoff, The Hollywood Nights, and then includes mm. a picture of a young Michelle Pfeiffer. I have never even heard of that. Me the either. Hollywood Nights. Yeah, I think I've heard of it, but I don't think I saw it. Because American Graffiti is amazing. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Richard Dreyfus, Ron Howard was in that. Who else was in that? Uh, Harrison Ford was in that. Yeah, Harrison Ford. Wolfman Jack was in that, which is a popular topic on this show. American Graffiti comes up quite a bit. Thank you, you Chasta trailer. And the Hollywood Knights, I'll have to make sure to uh, to find a place to stream that one. All right, we'll have what's going on coming up right around the corner, and we'll check in with DJ and PK Hans and Scotty as well. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.